Welcome to the Clockwork Riot Lightcast. This is a video format podcast, but it's still available in the audio version on iTunes. If you're listening to the audio-only version, you may be interested in checking out youtube.com slash goclockworkriot to see this podcast in its original form, complete with the dedicated visuals for it. Regardless, thanks for joining us, and let's get started. Hello again, and welcome to the Clockwork Riot Lightcast. I'm Fade, and this is my podcast. It's all about gold making in World of Warcraft. If you want to get rich in WoW, this is a pretty good thing to listen to. Essentially, it's a question and answer format podcast. If you have any questions about gold making, be they simple stuff or more advanced tactics, you're welcome to ask them. I don't know everything about gold making, but I know quite a bit, and I'd be happy to answer any questions you have, and that's what this podcast is for. If you have any questions, you put them in the YouTube comments to this video, and I'll answer them on the next episode of the podcast. Now, of course, that means that in the last podcast, a lot of people asked questions. So that's what this episode's all about, is answering those questions. And boy, were there a lot of questions. So we've got a lot to get through, so let's just go ahead and get started talking about gold making and WoW. For our first question, the Realm of Patrick asked, I only have 1,500 gold. What's a good way to make gold with that low amount of gold? Wanting to give a more detailed answer, I asked what professions he has, and it turns out he has mining and engineering, which made me happy because though these are considered lower gold-making professions, they were my professions for a long time. Fade was an engineer miner before I dropped mining for blacksmithing. So these are professions that I started out with as well. Now, engineering doesn't have quite as many things available to it as things like jewel crafting and enchanting, which is one of the reasons it's considered a lesser gold-making profession, but that doesn't mean it doesn't make gold. Mists of Pandaria brought us a lot of new gold-making opportunities to engineering, and while it still doesn't compete with the big professions, it's definitely a lot better off as far as a gold-making uh, status than it used to be. With only 1,500 gold, uh, doing like big investment things, like making mounts to sell, is pretty much out of the question, but there are still some cheap things that you could be selling with engineering that should be able to turn you some profit. The main thing I'm talking about are Tinker's Gears and the Ghost Iron Dragonling that they uh, are paired with. With a single stack of Ghost Iron Bars and 12 Windwool Cloth, you can make a Ghost Iron Dragonling, which is a very good non-engineering specific trinket that a lot of people like to get for their alts or even their mains. It's got a proc that summons a little dragonling, which will do some AoE damage, but the main benefit is that it has three sockets in it, but the only thing that can go in these sockets are Tinker's Gears. And now, Tinker's Gears are specific engineering-made gems, if you will, that will only go in these cogwheel sockets. And these gems have your choice of secondary stats, so you can get uh, 600 Spirit, 600 Haste, 600 Crit, 600 Dodge. Pretty much any any class can find a combination of three secondary stats that they can benefit from. And so a lot, so pretty much anyone who's looking to buy a trinket for their alt, and by the way, trinket slots are particularly hard to fill sometimes compared to something like shoulders or a chest piece, which you get from a lot of quests. Trinkets you don't really see too often, so that's another thing that's great about this. And so pretty much anyone can find some value in this. Like I said, the mats are quite cheap. It's one stack of ghost iron bars and 12 wind wool. Since you're a miner, if you're really low on starter capital, you could always try farming up the ore yourself. However, most servers, 
have low enough ore prices that you should be able to make a couple of these to start out with without having to mine your own if you want to just invest the little bit of capital you do currently have. The Tinker's Gears themselves only take two Ghost Iron Bars each, so you can make a few of each type. Don't go crazy, I, I have 20 of each type, but I also have more than 1500 gold to pay for it. Make one or two of each gear, particularly favoring things that are useful for everyone. Things like crit, haste, mastery. Try and stay away from things that are specific to certain classes, like spirit, only your hybrids and healers are going to get use out of that. Dodge, only your tanks care. While things like mastery, even if it's not the ideal stat for a class, will be a useful stat for any class, and so try and favor those sorts of stats. There are a lot of things that engineers can make, particularly pets, that don't cost a lot of startup money, but the problem is these are niche markets. Even pets nowadays, while pets are a big thing, still a lot of people already have their engineering pets, or they'd rather go out and catch a mechanical pet than buy it from an engineer. And so that's something that I wouldn't recommend until you've got a lot more gold built up, because you don't want to tie up what little gold you have in a market that moves slowly. So as far as engineering goes, I recommend you focus on Ghost Iron Dragonlings and the tri- and the Tinker's Gears that go inside of them. Sell them separately, by the way. Don't pre-socket. I've seen a few people pre-gem the Ghost Iron Dragonlings and put, you know, what stats they think you want in it. Don't do that. No one wants you to choose their stats for them. And a lot of times people won't even realize there's already a gem in the Ghost Iron Dragonling, so you're really not going to get any added value by s- selling it as a package deal, if you would. For mining specific tips, other than just, you know, hey, you can always farm ghost iron ore and sell it, of course, that that's boring, everyone knows you can do that. I would recommend maybe creating a Trade Skill Master shopping list that has all the old ore, pretty much anything you can mine and smelt, have both the ore and the bars, and just run that every time you get on and have some free time. And then if something's selling really high, you might want to go and mine a little bit of it, pop it up there, that'll keep some gold coming in while you're waiting for Tinker's Gears and stuff to sell. The reason I say this is usually because someone just was power leveling their profession or something, you'll find mid-level ores sell out and end up being very uh, high priced. I know that fell iron is a huge and very profitable ore to sell. And so don't just rely on ghost iron from a mining gold making perspective. Look at older stuff too because people still need that to power level their professions. And so you can usually get pretty good gold because the people who are buying that are buying it for their alts, and they see the convenience factor of having to buy it, and so you can usually get a pretty good amount from a rich player who's leveling their alt. There are, of course, non-profession-based markets you could be hitting as well, things like flipping transmog greens. Um, My friend Jem's really into flipping 83 to 84 greens, which I think I mentioned briefly in the last podcast episode. My particular favorite little flipping niche market is flipping vendor recipes and pets, and I'll include in the show comments um, a link to a very old video that I did that will give you a route to go to pick up uh, vendor recipes and pets for both factions, and so that's something that you can do if you got a lot of time. It doesn't take that much time, but it does take some time to go hit all these vendors, but that's a good way to make gold if you're not doing too well with your professions. At the end of the day, if I found myself in your shoes, say, having one character with max level professions, I'd be selling Tinker's Gears, Ghost Iron Dragonlings, and then I'd be leveling an alt in my free time to have more professions, because the more professions you got, the more gold you're going to be able to make. <laughs> Seven minutes in, and we've just answered the first question. Told you guys it's going to be a long one. 
Anyways, moving on. Mr. Edgesuit asks, Let's say you have 100,000 gold on a large pop server. Which way will you try to make gold with that big budget? Gems are a little down, but the new patch is coming. Enchants are cheap, but mats are okay at the moment. Tailoring's not that good. Glyphs are very cheap, and Dark Moon cards aren't selling very much. I'm not sure which market to focus on, so your input is highly appreciated. First and foremost, I'm going to give you the stock answer, which is basically, focus on what's the most fun. I mean, if all the markets are pretty mediocre, it really just comes down to how you'd prefer to spend your time. Like, I know a lot of people hate glyphs, some people love glyphs. If you're someone who hates glyphs, don't focus on glyphs, because that's no fun. A lot of people who get into gold making start seeing it as a job, but remember, you're playing a video game, so make sure that you're in a market that's fun for you. But, of course, this isn't all about fun. We want to get rich. So as for actual gold-making advice here, I would probably focus on the shuffle. It sounds like you've got quite a few uh, professions necessary for the shuffle. Um, just for those listeners who don't know what I'm talking about when I mention the shuffle, um, basically it's taking ghost iron or prospecting it, cutting, and there are different versions of the shuffle, but this is just the basic one, cutting the blue quality gems and selling the cut gems, also using some of those to transmute primal diamonds and cutting those and selling those, um, crafting the green quality gems into jewelry, selling the blue quality jewelry, disenchanting the green quality jewelry, turning the green quality jewelry, sorry, disenchanting the green quality jewelry and turning the mats from that into enchanting scrolls. So it's just taking ore down a huge production line and using it at every step of the way. The reason I'm recommending shuffling in particular is if no market is standing out as particularly profitable, then it comes down to trying to compete in quite a few markets, um, but basically just lowering your costs. One of the best ways to turn a crappy market into a good market is not necessarily selling your items for more, but lowering how much you're paying for your materials. If I pay 80 gold in materials and sell something for 100 gold, that's really not a whole lot of profit. But if I only paid 20 gold for those materials, it's a much higher profit, and thus the market is a lot nicer for me than it would be for someone who's paying for 80 gold for their materials. Pretty much the best thing you can do as far as lessening how much you spend on your materials for things like jewel crafting and enchanting, two of my favorite markets, is uh, shuffling ore. That's why everyone does it, because it's so great. So what you're going to want to do is look at getting ore particularly cheap. Um, what I do is I build a macro. So on my server, Ghost Iron Ore goes for about 65 gold a stack, or it did before this week when a bunch of bots came in and lowered the price quite a bit. But basically, 65 gold a stack was a pretty normal thing. So what I did was I made a macro, you know, always buying Missipandaria uh, material, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Want to buy Ghost Iron Ore 60 gold a stack? COD as much as you can to me. So what that meant was then I'd have a bunch of people complaining at me in trade chat for ripping them off, but also a bunch of people were CODing me um, ore for cheaper than my competitors are getting it. And to make sure that my competitors had to pay a higher price, I was buying up to 60 gold a stack on the auction house. Anything 60 gold a stack and under, I bought out. So that way I know they're paying more than 60 gold a stack. Um, while I'm always paying underneath up to 60 gold stack. This kept me inundated with tons of cheap, well, cheap for our server ore. And so I was constantly process, I, I probably processed ore for like 12 hours yesterday. Not that you have to do it on that scale, but you know, that, that's just how I roll. Um, 
But basically, once I'd run through that shuffle, paying significantly less per stack of ore than my competitors, it ended up giving me a fairly low crafting cost for everything I craft. I was able to craft, you know, every enchanting scroll, um, every cut gem, stuff like that, uh, with very, very cheap materials costs. And so there are some very, very amateur gold makers on my server who I know, because I've seen them do it, will buy uncut gems from the auction house cut them and resell them, which isn't necessarily a bad idea if it's profitable, but it's not as profitable as it could be if they were shuffling. So basically, I guess, to bring this all back to your actual question, which I didn't technically really answer, did I? Um, I'd focus on shuffling. If you're sick of shuffling, which admittedly a lot of people are, I personally would focus on glyphs. I know that you said glyph prices are low and Dark Moon uh, cards aren't selling, but basically here's the way I see it. With all the different weird things that they're doing with uh, gearing up this expansion, it's not too easy to just go and gear up a bunch of alts. Not to mention the fact that we're not getting any new five mans this patch. And so, like, for example, the last really big rush on gems that I remember, I mean, there were other big ones, but the last big rush on gems was the one when the ZAZG dungeons came out. And that's because people could just run out and just get tons of new gear with sockets in it. Well, that's not going to happen this time around because you're going to end up having to do looking for raid or buy stuff with Valor. It's not going to be as simple as just go Q for ZG, get five new pieces. And so things like gems and enchants, things to modify gear, isn't necessarily going to experience a huge surge. Of course, with every patch, you know, people come back to the game. There should be a up t- a- an uptick in how much you get from that. But I don't think it's going to be as big as we've seen in previous patch uh, patches for previous expansions. And so I would focus on my tried and true market, which is glyphs. Um, there will always be a demand for glyphs, particularly um, now that things are becoming more alt-friendly. Um, you're going to be able to buy your farm and get rep that way. You're going to be able to get rep from dungeons. You're going to be able to level characters through pet battles. You're going to be able to take your Warlock alt through your green fire quest chain. You're going to be getting more justice points from doing scenarios, meaning people who don't like to sit on their alts can still go and get justice points fairly quickly and thus get geared up. The current Valor gear is going to be easier to buy. It's going to be about half price, I think, meaning alts are going to find it an easier time to actually get Valor gear. Basically, there's a lot of pretty nice quality of life and other changes that are going to make alts a little bit more interesting for a lot of players. And when people take out their alt that they haven't played since Cataclysm, and they dust it off, and they say, okay, what do I need? They set up their spec, and then they say, okay, here's my new spec. What are the glyphs I need? There is always a demand for glyphs, because people are always rolling alts, and this will be no exception. Um, and so that's why I really like glyphs. The other awesome thing about glyphs, of course, is... While you're milling all your herbs to make your glyphs, you're also going to be getting starlight ink. So even if it's not your main goal, by selling glyphs, you can do the dark moon cards and vice versa. If you're doing dark moon cards, if you'd like, you can also use some of that ink for glyphs. Um, so they go really well hand in hand. 
The only problem is, of course, the camping time. But basically, if I were in your situation, I'd focus on glyphs, particularly on a large population server. While there might be a lot of competition, there should be a lot of demand as all those players roll alts. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much how it'd be. As far as budget concerns specifically, since you mentioned that you have a large budget, really the only time large budgets come into play is when you're flipping big ticket items. Um, even if you do, I mean, I, I'm in every profession market. I craft for every single profession I sell at. And I still, in a, in a crafting session, I can't spend more than 30,000 gold. Like, I just, I've never spent more than that in a single crafting session. And because of that, it really, like, a hundred thousand gold is a great uh, a great amount to have, but unless you're flipping big ticket items, it's going to be almost impossible to put all that gold to work for you. If you're interested in flipping big ticket items, I recommend you go elsewhere. <laughs> I know that a lot of people are like, "Yeah, I flip ten spectral tigers a month," but there, there's just not that demand on Argenton, and so I really don't have the experience with that. And as much as I'd like to give you a BS answer that I just come up with and sound smart. I don't want to steer you in the wrong direction. So um, what I'd just do is find a market you like. I'd personally choose glyphs and go for it. And in regards to other markets, just keep your crafting materials costs low by shuffling and doing other such things so that when you do get sales in your mediocre markets, you're getting the best you can out of them. Holy crap, this is usually like almost where we'd stop. We're already 15 minutes in and I've only answered two questions. Um, we're going to take a little bit of a commercial break. Ooh, this is new. And we'll be right back. All right, welcome back. A little bit about the commercial break before we get right back into questions, since I know it probably took some of you guys surpri by surprise. I don't know if I'm going to start doing commercials normally or not. Of course, if it's short, I won't. But, you know, in these long podcasts, I might. Basically, um, money's really tight, and so any money generated from ads, I mean, I'm not greedy, I'm not sitting here on a pile of money, it cover, what that covers is like my WoW subscription, the domain for the blog, things that help me actually produce this and help you guys out. So that's why they're there. Alright, I'll, qu I'll quit rambling my apologies about the ads, since of course you guys came here to learn how to make gold, not learn about how I make one-tenth of a cent when you guys watch one of these videos, right? Alright, let's get right back into it. Our next question comes from Tegan and Sarah Lover. Question time. I've got about 300,000 gold. I flip a lot of transmog gear in 77 to 84 gear. My bags and bank and mail get so congested all the time, and it will often make me not want to do my rounds throughout all my characters every day. Do you have any tips or tricks to keep, to keep an organized system? What do you do with auctions that you can't post yet? If I could just get this down, I wouldn't dread reposting my auctions. This is actually something I've been struggling with recently myself. Um, as I add more and more things that I'm selling, uh, it eventually just became too much for Liquidate, who's my main seller, to handle. So I've started splitting off into more alts and stuff like that. The first thing I did was start thinking of my alts as folders. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of strange, but, you know, think about making a folder on your computer called Stuff I Sell. And then, so that's your account. And then for every character, you'd make a folder. And it could be PvP Crafted Gear, which is one of my folders, or alts, if you will. Uh, consumables. Um, transmog Gear. And basically, assign each character something that they're in charge of selling. I have one character that only sells glyphs. I have one character that only sells Crafted Gear. That's the 450 stuff like jewelry, PvP gear, stuff like that. I have one character that only sells consumables. That's Liquidate's new job is she only does gems and enchants and stuff that you would 
consume when you use it. I have one character that only does transmog flipping. She doesn't get too much attention very much anymore. Um, I have one character that only does vendor recipes and pets. Um, well, that's not true. She does vendor recipes and pets, and she's a catch-all for all the weird little crap I pick up, or the really rare recipes, stuff like that. So basically, the first step to organization is making sure that every character has a job, and they are set up to do that job. If it's a glyph-busting character, make sure they have all the all royal scribe satchels. If it's a gem-posting character, you might want one or two um, silk gem bags. If these are just bank alts, consider making guild banks as well, specifically for things like transmog, things that take up a lot of space. Um, having a guild bank to hold backup inventory will really clear out your bags and make it a lot easier to manage. Furthermore, you can make use of things like macros. Um, I'll put a video in the comments, which is a, a basically made a video just about how I manage my glyph inventory. It's made with a uh, cataclysm, so there are more glyphs than there were in that video, but it still works. I still do it just like I do in the video, but there's slightly less breathing room in my bags. But basically what you'll see in that video is that I basically my entire inventory and my entire bags are full all the time. And I have these macros to swap all the bags. And that'll make a little bit more sense once you can see it. But um, it works out just great. I highly recommend watching that. And another thing you can do is just cut down on your inventory. Of course, you know, you don't want to just, I'm not going to sell gems or I'm not going to sell enchants or anything like that. But particularly something I've heard of a lot of people in transmog is they have either a lot of duplicates more than they're ever going to possibly move. Or they have stuff that really isn't that valuable. You know, they've been reposting it for a few months and it's just not selling. No one, you know, it's on like a lower tiered set. Uh, it's bracers. I don't know. Basically, you know, go through your bank, look at it and be like, is someone really going to buy this? If not, consider vendoring or DEing it. It sucks, I know. But remember, particularly with, you know, flipping greens and flipping transmog items, you really have to look at an item not just for its possible value, but what it's costing you every time you repost it, the inventory space that you need to carry it, how much time those items add to the amount of time you spend at the mailbox. If I post one of every glyph, it only takes me maybe two minutes to get them all out of the mailbox. If I post two of every glyph, it doesn't sound like you're really doing a whole lot, but it doubles the amount of time I have to spend on that character because I have to make I have to take twice as much stuff out of the mail. And so while an item might be valuable, it also has an inherent cost just by being in your bags. And of course, if you have a lot of altar, a lot of room, a lot of people don't run into this. But people like you and me who just have so much stuff that they're selling can really get backed up really quickly for sure. And the best thing you can do is make sure that every single item you're selling is worth the space it's taking up and the time it takes you. Of course, there's so many damn valuable items in this game, you are going to end up with probably more stuff than a single character can sell if you're in a lot of markets or you're flipping a lot of items. That's when using your alts like little folders comes in. Give each alt a specific job, glyphs. This one sells transmog. If you have a ton of transmog inventory, you could be like, this one sells transmog chest pieces or something. I don't do enough transmog to have to worry about that kind of stuff. But basically, specialize each alt and just, you know, be like, okay, I'm going to check my glyph character. All right, that's done. I'm going to check my crafted gear character. And that way you can just go down the list and it really doesn't become too much of a pain in the ass 
because it's just like a little checklist. Okay, check that one off. And it's a lot easier to do that than log onto a character and have 700 mail of all sorts of different kinds of things, which of course you can't take several trips to the auction house, the bank, the guild bank just to manage the items. So is it worth selling? And a place for everything and everything in its place is pretty much the way I manage my inventory. Our next question comes from Aragroth. Aragroth says, I have only one max level tune and he's a blacksmith miner. My main market is the PvE and PvP crafted plate gear. Mine too. Um, recently I have had a competitor come in and just undercut all of my auctions from my prices at 500 to 900 gold down to 100 gold. He just sets that flat price and always posts at that price. I thought maybe he was just selling off stuff from leveling blacksmithing, but he has been reposting items. I don't think he is going to go away anytime soon. Do you think this is a case of someone trying to make me get fed up with the market and leave, and then he will raise prices, or just someone who has no idea of item value and thinks he is getting rich by selling these items cheap? Right now I am keeping my prices up, so when his sell mine is the next highest price. Is this the best strategy, or should I just undercut him and start making only twenty or 10 to 20 gold profit per sale? I'm leveling alts to get into other markets, but this is all I have for now. Please help. Your story basically gives me the impression that he appeared out of nowhere selling at 100 gold. Not that he was a competitor who used to sell differently, but now sells at 100 gold. Generally speaking, if someone's trying to drive you out of the market, it's because you've frustrated them in some way. Either your prices aren't what they like to see, you undercut them too much, stuff like that. And so if you never had any encounters with him and he suddenly came out doing this, odds are he's not just blitzing you out of nowhere. He's probably not even really worried about what you're doing or even knows who you are. I would probably bet that it's your second option. That he really just, he thinks, hey, 100 gold, that's fine. Um, that that's, that's a great price for this. Or the other kinds of folks, people need this gear. I better sell it cheap because I'm a good guy. Oh, I hate those folks. <laughs> or um, things like... If I sell it really cheap, that means more people will buy it. So, yeah, that guy's got his stuff up for 900 gold. When people see mine for 100 gold, they're going to think it's a steal and buy it right away. People don't really understand why PvP gear isn't an impulse buy, but whatever. If you're getting a good amount of sales with what you're currently doing, waiting for us to sell out and then having yours up at the higher price, I'd just keep doing that. Um... However, I assume that you're not happy with how many sales you're getting. Otherwise, you just say, eh, no problem. Because, as I discussed previously, he's probably not doing this to try and get a rise out of you or drive you off. Odds are you are leaving him alone won't lead to a raise in prices. If he's happy selling for 100 gold now, he'll be just as happy selling for 100 gold in five months. And you'll just still be sitting there waiting for him to leave. So now you get to ask yourself the question. Would I prefer fewer sales at a higher price or more sales with a significantly lower profit margin? This largely comes down to how much materials you have. If you have an unlimited supply of ghost iron, and by unlimited I mean like you can buy it. I'm not talking can you mine it yourself because you can only mine so much. If you can keep up with the demand of selling at a low price, that's not necessarily a bad idea. However, if your materials are limited... Each sale counts just that much more, and you need to squeeze every last drop of gold you can get out of the sales you do make, and so I would personally go with the higher-end sales, though less often, 
assuming you're getting them. You really didn't give me too much input on if you're staying the higher price is actually working, or if that's just in theory what you're hoping to do. You could wait. I've been making gold for a few years now, and I can think of not one single person who I s compete with now who was there when I started. Gold makers come and go. To be honest, the only reason I'm even still in the game is because I like teaching other people. If it was just about me, I'd not even bother making gold anymore. People gain interest in getting gold, or they're like, oh, I really want to buy this mount, I have to start selling stuff. Then once they get the mount, they don't care anymore. Sooner or later, people do leave your markets. And so if you're patient, you really don't have to engage in any auction house PvP. Granted, I'm still around years later, but I kind of consider myself an exceptional case. <laughs> if you do want to give them a little nudge out of the door, try the undercutting thing. I know you said you're only going to get 10 to 20 gold profit per sale, but if you're only making about that much, then that means he's probably only making about that much too. And once he has, once he has to compete and scratch out every little bit that he's making and pay the deposit costs, and he starts seeing that he's really not making much of anything, he might go away. Try and just, you know, bully him out of your market for a little while. See how he reacts. He might just leave, and that'd be great for you. If not, then, you know, you've seen both sides. You've seen the post at higher wait for him to sell out. You've seen post at lower and get significantly less profit, and you'll be able to determine which one's going to work best for you. Though, of course, we hope that he'll just leave you alone. Our next question comes from the Goldstorm blog. I have one of every profession maxed, excluding engineering, and I'm working on a new alt. I'm considering a second scribe and second alchemist, mostly for the flat daily cooldown on each. Do you think it's a wise idea for duplicate professions? Essentially, yes. I mean, the, the cooldowns there are very strong. You'll be able to get another living steel, and then it might proc, because of course you're going to go transmute mastery. And then you'll also be able to get... um another scroll of wisdom. Granted, if you're not going to be able to use that scroll of wisdom, that's not that useful. A lot of people are like, yay, more scrolls of wisdom, but when you think of had, having two scribes, you need 20 starlight ink a day just to handle the amount of cards you'd be making. So while it can be very profitable, a lot of people end up just not generating enough need not generating enough ink to even take advantage of it in the first place. So before you decide on Scribe, ask yourself if that's if you're going to fall into that category or if you're going to be able to actually use your daily cooldown every day. I, because I love engineering, I would recommend getting an engineer, probably like an alchemist engineer. I know people bag on engineering a lot from gold make, from a gold-making perspective, but of course, if you listen to the first question I answered here, there are ways that engineering can make gold. And also, it's just incredibly fun. Um, I love engineering from both a gold-making perspective and just a having engineering on your character perspective. And that's going to let you use the, or at least learn the turbocharged flying machine and stuff like that for your achievement purposes of collecting mounts. If you're really, really anti-engineering for whatever reason, stop listening to this podcast. We're not friends anymore. But um, if, you're, if you're really anti-engineering, then I would probably... I think that alchemy and inscription are a very good choice. If you're not going to be able to use the inscription cooldown like we talked about earlier, another option is alchemy and tailoring. Um, tailoring will only come into its own if you're willing to get to 90 and get honored with golden lotus. But if you are, then that's an extra spell thread you can make every day. And that one doesn't take a whole bunch of ink. It only takes eight wind wool uh, bolts. 
And I don't know about you, but I definitely sell more than one spell thread a day. So I would definitely get a lot of use out of multiple tailors. With that, we're going to take another break because this podcast is just way longer than I'm used to. So I need a bit of a break. We'll be right back, folks. Plenty more gold-making questions up ahead. Welcome back. Let's get right into it since I don't want to take up your entire day. <laughs> Exotic 60 Hunter asks, I've grown tired of my low-pop server, and I'm thinking of re-rolling. I would be doing this alone, so I would start with nothing. In this scenario, what professions would you recommend to start with to build a good economy as fast as possible? I want to be able to get my flying skill and such as quick as possible. Also, do you feel certain classes are better to start with when it comes to gold-making? If I were going to start on an entirely new server, I would roll a Pandaren Monk with Mining and Herbalism, and I'll tell you why. First off, in my opinion, as far as class and race combination goes, at the end of the game, there's really not a whole lot of benefit to anything anymore, especially now that the um, Forager's Gloves from Corda Tauros really pretty much destroy any benefit for worgen skinning or Tauran herbalism and things like that. As far as race, whatever, it doesn't really matter, except Pandarans have the bonus to rested XP. And so that can make leveling faster. And so that's why I chose Pandaren. From a class perspective, there's a few different things to take, to keep in mind. You want to be able to level quickly so you can max out your professions, which is why I say Monk. Monk will be able to be a tank or healer, giving you fast cues. And they get that great uh, daily quest to boost your XP. So Monk's... Pandaren monks right now are pretty much the fastest way to get to 90, which is pretty much the most powerful thing you can do to start making gold. There are other benefits from other classes. Um, mages will get a lot of mobility if you're going to be flipping a lot of vendor recipes and pets. It's nice to be able to teleport to all the towns. Um, certain classes have movement speed increases, of course, so that's really nice if you're going to be doing a lot of gathering. But at the end of the day, that's just a little bit of time saved here and there, which isn't really going to be as great, in my opinion, as being able to be 90 as quickly as possible and be able to queue as a tank healer or DPS whenever you want. And of course, I had to choose the normal starting professions of herbalism and mining. When you have nothing on the server, you really aren't going to be able to craft a whole lot, so it comes down to gathering. And since you get bonus experience from mining and herbalism, that's going to get you to 90 faster. If you gather while you level up, which I know is hard since you're going to be leveling so fast, but gather along with your level and just sell everything you get just flat out. Um, once you hit 90, you should have a decent amount of gold. Probably not a lot, but enough to get started. And then you can start looking at what other professions you want. Now that's going to depend a lot on what your server looks like. Which, while leveling, of course, you're going to want to keep an eye on what markets you want, might want to get into there. But if you choose anything that's herbalism-based, so alchemy or inscription, or anything that's ore-based, so engineering, jewel crafting, or blacksmithing, you can gather all the materials you need to level that since you've got maxed herbalism and mining. So just, you know, drop the one you're not using, keep the one you are, and use that to level your professions to save some gold. And then you can start building up a little empire there on the new server. Our next question comes from Justin Saunders. What is the fastest way to level professions like blacksmithing and jewel crafting? Uh, look at what's orange. Buy the stuff for it off the auction house. Make that stuff. Train the next stuff. See what's orange. 
Um, leveling crafting professions is generally pretty straightforward. Um, orange stuff's going to be more likely to give you skill ups. There are a few segments in each one that might, you know, be, oh, you, you'd be better off making this yellow thing than this orange thing. But for the most part, it's all pretty simple. If you want to level quickly, look for what's easiest and cheapest to buy off the auction house, buy it and make it. On the other hand, if you want to level cheaply, figure out what you're going to need and just add everything to a snatch list and slowly pick it up over time. But that, of course, isn't fast. It's just cheap. The only real tip that a lot of people might not keep in mind when trying to level professions quickly is being in a high-level guild. A fairly high-up perk is called Working Overtime, which gives you more of a chance to skill up on things that are like yellow and green. And so this is important for giving you more skill-ups for less materials. But at the end of the day, if you want to level fast, buy everything off the auction house uh, that's orange. If you want to level cheap, Buy everything off the auction house when it's cheap, but that will take a long time. If you want to level fast and cheap, yeah, good luck. <laughs> uh, Josh Hawthorne asks, I've been playing around with pet battles after listening to you and Jim talk about it. What are your current go-to add-ons for pet battle pet battles and collecting? Um, pretty simple question. This one won't be long-winded. <laughs> Pet Tracker. It's the only add-on I use that has to do with pet battles, and it does it does pretty much everything I need. You know, it shows me where on the map I might find pets. It shows me the quality of the pet I'm fighting, their abilities, their cooldowns, uh, what pets I'm missing. It does pretty much anything it could possibly want from pet battles. It's just called Pet Tracker. I'll link it in the comments. It's just it's pretty much it's like it's like auctioneer used to be for gold making. It's like what TSM is for gold making now. It's it's the go-to add-on in my opinion. Our next question comes from Bob A. An unspoken tip I picked up from your glyph video way back when was that Shatrath's banks are great for bag swapping alliance glyph sellers because the bank is closer to the mailbox and auction house than other locations. Which are your preferred auction house locations for Horde and Alliance? If the game worked perfectly, my favorite Alliance auction house would be Shatrath because of the reasons mentioned. No other auction house has such a great location for a vendor, because you can sell right to that rep vendor there, a mailbox, a bank, and a guild bank, and an auctioneer all in one place. They're all in that little room, and it's a great location for Alliance. We don't have anything like it in our cities. Horde are a little bit luckier. They, um... They have some very nice spots in Orgrimmar. A lot of people talk about the troll auction house. I don't like it so much. I just, eh, I get stuck on sticks and stuff, fences. So I stick around in the Torrin area. It's slightly bigger than the Shatrath auction house, but of course it's in Orgrimmar, so if you need a service performed or like a port or something, people are right there, and you can be mounted the entire time, which is why I really like the Torrin area of Orgrimmar for the Horde. Now, you'll notice the first thing I said was if the game is working perfectly. Um, for those who might be having this problem but have no idea what to do to fix it, um, for a, quite some time, since early, even before Miss Pandaria came out, it some characters will experience that they cannot see their sold auctions. Like if a buyer has been found for a turbid wild jade, and you go to the auction house and you look in your auctions panel and it doesn't show as sold which is incredibly annoying, particularly when you're trying to keep up on what you need to pop back on the auction house really quickly. The reason this is happening is because of Blizzard's stupid, broken, cross-realm zones idea. 
um, if you're in an auction house, if you're in a, zo- a cross realm zone that has an auction house, some characters are unable to see their sold auctions. Um, and the only way to fix this is to do your auctioning in your main city. So Orkmar or, or Stormwind. Those are your only choices to fix this problem until Blizzard fixes it. I've made some bug reports on the forums, but no one really seems to care. <laughs> um, and it really sucks for the neutral auction house since there is none outside of cross realm zones. So, um, be- so while Shatrath is my favorite for Alliance, Unfortunately, I can't even use it anymore, and I have to use Stormwind, which I hate. Our final question this episode comes from Want to Buy Skill Online. Hey Fade, I've gotten into the blacksmithing crafting market via your TSM setup videos, and I got the hang of buying and posting at a profit fairly quickly. The thing is, I'm just getting spam undercut. Should I just wait to see if they move out of the market, or try selling other stuff that they aren't? Should I just keep posting like normal? I also just leveled up my alchemist, so I have jewel crafting, mining, blacksmithing, and alchemy, alchemy maxed. I want to get more into crafting. Thanks in advance. Well, if you want to get more into crafting, yes, craft more stuff to sell. So, so you're selling things that they aren't, because that's how you get into more crafting by doing it, learning the market, stuff like that. In regards to the market that you're already in with them, um, if undercutting them is still giving you a profit that you're happy with, then just keep going on the way you are. Um, there's nothing wrong with undercutting a lot or with being undercut. A lot of people are, someone undercut me. What do I do? No, undercut them. As long as you're getting a profit that you're happy with, then there's really not a problem. Could things be better? Yeah. But usually to make them better requires a lot of time and effort and thinking. Um, you know, auction house PvP, essentially. And while it definitely works for some people... I've found that getting upset or getting worried about what other people are doing in regards to how it affects my auctions isn't really worth the time. There's so much gold to be made that I'd say don't worry about the undercutters if you're happy with the profit you're making. Just keep on keeping on. I mean, of course, re-examine it. If you end up getting undercut so low, it's not very fun for you. You feel you're not making the profits you'd like to see. Then start thinking about, well, maybe I should go to another market. Maybe I should try and drive them out, stuff like that. But as long as you're happy with the profits you're getting, yeah, just keep undercutting them. You're not budging in the face of their competition might end up causing them to leave. Maybe it won't. But at the end of the day, you'll be able to learn a lot more about the markets, about those competitors, and you'll be able to be doing your other crafting and selling that kind of stuff too. This is really how you start really getting into gold making, is, you know, focusing on the markets you're in while learning markets you're not in yet. And that's how you start expanding and making ridiculous amounts of gold every day. And that is it for what I do believe is the longest episode of the light cast ever. It is no longer a light cast. It is just a cast. <laughs> um, uh, I am Fade. I write a gold blog called clockworkriot.com, which is all about gold making in World of Warcraft. I have posts about gold making. Uh, this podcast can be found there. Other YouTube guide videos. If you find this helpful, be sure to subscribe to the channel, like it, comment on it, stuff like that. It helps me out. And I do hope you guys enjoyed it quite a bit. If you have any questions that you'd like to see in answered in the next episode of the podcast, be sure to leave them as a comment to this video, and they will be answered in the next episode of the podcast. Thanks so much for hanging out, guys. Have a great day.